Many people uh, through uh, the centuries, spiritual writers, theologians, in thinking and reflecting about Our Lady, they uh, will come up with uh, some of the top virtues, you know, that Our Lady had. And many will say it was her humility. Um, so I'll just, we'll just talk a little bit about her humility. Certainly she had a pure heart, her immaculate heart was pure. But she was a very humble person. I'd like to talk a little bit about what humility really is, what Our Lady can, can show that to her in our, in our life. And that's why I chose this gospel passage, the Magnificat. You know, it's the most popular song ever written in the history of the world. Forget about Jennifer Lopez and Britney Spears or whoever else is singing songs out there, right? I don't even know because I don't keep up with that stuff. Um, but this is the most famous song ever written, ever composed, ever sung. You know, millions of people sing it every night. Isn't that amazing? Millions of people throughout the world for centuries and centuries, for millennium, they have been singing this Magnificat. And in it, it's so beautiful, we can get so much out of it. One of the things Our Lady says is that that the Lord has looked upon her, a handmaid, and her lowliness. He's regarded it. In a way, he's, he's looked with favor. In a way, he's been drawn to this part of her that is so lowly and so humble. Later on, she'll talk, she'll talk about the difference of what God has done with the proud and the arrogant. He's thrown them down like the rulers and the princes of this world, and he's lifted up the lowly and the humble. What does this say to us? Well, St. Therese, in commenting on all this, she, she saw that there was something that you could, if you will, manipulate God with. All right? Now, none of us would say that we, we openly manipulate God, but let's be honest. God, if you do this for me, you know, I'll give you two novenas or something like that. We're all in the, we're all in the business of getting stuff, right? And God's fine with that. He really is. I, I think he'd rather us move beyond that, but he's okay with that, you know. But Therese, in a beautiful way, said that she can manipulate God's heart in being little, in being small, in, in being humble. And, you know, this, my brothers and sisters, it's, it's something that's, was from Adam and Eve, right? Pride, amongst other things, was the cause of their fall. I think pride has taken a, a new, well, not a new form. It's still existent, but in new ways with technology. It's, it's evident in our world, which I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about as well. But humility is the foundation of our life. Whatever humility is, it's the foundation of our life. St. Augustine, giving advice to people, said, there are three things, right, that you need in order to have a very good spiritual life. Humility, 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 right? Um, you know, I, I'm thinking in Lincoln, Nebraska, and thinking where probably most of you are coming from, not necessarily Nebraska, but from other states as well, I know from my own, I consider where my family came from, really just small town USA, farming communities, you know, not, you, you don't, you'd be hard to find like someone walking around with their nose up in the air. I maybe saw a little bit more of pride kind of flashed like that on Park Ave when I lived in New York City. But you know, in, in places probably like Nebraska, you're not going to see that. But 
it might come out in different ways. It might come out in different ways, you know, so I'll say in a second. You know, St. Francis, he had, uh, he became, in the beginning, when he renounced his father, he stripped naked, and he says, uh, no longer called Peter Bernardoni my father, but my but our father in heaven, you know, and the, the bishop wrapped him up in his red cloak uh, to save him from, humil- from humiliation. You know, very early on, people thought St. Francis really went crazy. As a matter of fact, he probably would have failed all the psychological exams that we have today for getting into religious life to begin with. He never would have made it. They would have been thrown out in the first lot. This guy's crazy, right? And, and uh, people thought he'd cuckoo cuckoo, and they would throw rocks at him, they'd call him names. And then after a couple years, um, they saw what God was doing in St. Francis. And, you know, it was just the opposite of what happened. All of these people started following St. Francis, St. Clair started the women's movement. People would, it was amazing, by the end of his life, thousands of people following St. Francis. And one day, Brother Maceo, says, now this is in the little flowers, he says, maybe I'll just paraphrase it for you, he says, basically, St. Francis, why is, he wouldn't call him St. Francis, why is the whole world following after you? And he says, he says, you know, um, you're not very handsome. Apparently, St. Francis was nothing to, was, was not too good looking, all right? Okay, so he would have had to doctor up his picture on the dating match websites, okay? Um, he says, you're not really handsome. You're not learned, so he wasn't really smart. You're not wise, and you're not rich. He had given everything away, right? Why is the whole world following you? And then the writer of The Little Flowers says, St. Francis put his head down, was thinking a little bit, you know. And he says this, and he's quoting St. Paul in 1 Corinthians. He says, God chose what's foolish in the world to shame the wise, what's weak in the world to shame the strong, what's despised in the world to reduce to nothing. And he goes on to say, St. Francis said, if God could have found a more wretched, vile, you know, person in the world, that he would have picked him. St. Francis is very humble here. You know, humility is acknowledging, uh, the catechism would say. It's a, it's a twofold acknowledgement. Us being, crea- being God's creation, right? And all that's in our lives. And second, acknowledging God as the creator. We can do nothing without him. He sustains us in our being. This is what humility is. To see ourselves truly as we are in the eyes of God, which St. Francis says, that is what we are, nothing more, nothing less. And then also to recognize God as the author, and he keeps the place, he keeps the lights on, the heat going, and everything. Without God, we're not breathing, no heartbeats or anything. This And this at all times is a virtue of humility. Now, as any kind of virtue, you have to work at it, right? It's a, it's a habitus in Latin. It's a habit. You've got to work at this recognition of who I am in the eyes of God and who God is. Well, what happens? You know, it, it's so subtle what can happen in our spiritual lives. And, you know, many of the saints, they wanted to root it out. They were... They were ruthless. St. Philip Neri, the second apostle to Rome, he was ruthless with this. He started the oratory. And um, he, some of his first followers of the oratory, 
He didn't really demand that any of them be on their knees, kneeling on glass, praying 14 rosaries a day, or fasting 86 days in a row. He didn't really demand any of that. What he demanded was that you would be humble. And he would test that if you were humble. How attached you were to your reputation, to your good name, to the opinions of others. Isn't that, oh, now we're getting a little uncomfortable here. Boys, there was one priest, very talented priest, uh, very, very gifted, eloquent. And he got up one day at the cathedral in uh, Italy, and he was preaching this, uh, this incredible homily, like Father Apostle, right? Incredible. You know, everyone's like, wow, you know, and they're converted and everything. Philip Neary's there. Mm-hmm. Not impressed. So at any rate, so the priest is feeling pretty good about himself. Us priests feel good, you know. Father, that was an amazing homily. That was really, thank you very much, you know. Of course, it's God, but then, you know, there's something deep inside. Yeah, I'm pretty good, aren't I? You know, <laughs> The one you go watch out for, I found this in the Midwest, is when people come out and say, Father, that was a very interesting homily. That's, that's cold language, all right? Interesting is cold language for I didn't like the homily, all right? It's too long. Anyway, so St. Philip Neri's sitting there not impressed, right? The guy, he's an incredible homily, so they come back, you know, and it's getting ready, and the guy's working all week to get his next homily for the next Sunday, Right? And uh, the priest is feeling pretty good about himself. And Philip Neary says, uh, you know, on Saturday, they didn't have Saturday Mass, so it's the day before. He says, "Uh, Father, I know you gave such a wonderful homily last week. Why don't you give the same exact homily this Sunday, word for word? He says, word for word? Yes. He says, "Uh, okay. So the priest gets up there, and of course, it's now even a bigger packed cathedral, because they heard about this priest, you know. This, he's, the most best, he's the most eloquent priest we've ever heard, you know. So they're packed in there, and the priest starts to give the homily word for word for word, right? People are like elbowing one another, like, didn't he just give this homily last last week? All right, but they didn't. They're like, oh, okay. well, they didn't really think much of it. They said maybe he didn't have time to prepare something. So, at any rate, the priest was a little uncomfortable. He's sweating bullets up there, you know. So he gets done, and then now he's preparing for the next week. Okay, I did that. That's over with. Now I can move on. Come Saturday, he's working on all week, you know. Philip Neary, you know, Father. You know that homily you gave last week, two weeks ago? I want you to give the same homily, word for word for word. Did it the third week, did it the fourth week, did it the fifth week, right? And so this people started to laugh that this priest was called the priest with one homily. <laughs> that was his nickname, right? St. Philip Neri, now, he detected something Perhaps it wasn't there, but the potential could be there to take pride, right? To take pride in a gift that the Holy Spirit was giving to him. And St. Philip Neri, that was the one thing he, he would demand of his followers, that they would practice humility, which kind of meant you would be lower of lower esteem in people's eyes. It was a way of protecting them from pride, This is what the evil spirits are all about. They're about pride. Look at me. Look what I'm doing, right? And it's just the opposite with the saints. Sometimes uh, uh, for St. Philip Neri, 
he would he was of course very famous a miracle worker he'd have cardinals heads of state come to visit him in rome and when someone very important like a cardinal would come you know they the brothers would have the reading they would do the reading like the monks do and, and we do sometimes at the while you're eating dinner or you have a we have the tape of father apostle then you'd have the reading and he'd say he'd signal to the one brother if a couple cardinals were there and the one brother would get out a different book and it would be a joke book. And he'd start reading jokes, you know? And so the cardinal's like, what kind of brothers are these, right? In a way, Philip Neary kind of, he desired that to be looked upon lower in other people's eyes because he was so afraid that pride could overtake him. At the end of the meal, if they had, he would make the brothers dance for the cardinals. Can you imagine that, brothers? Can you imagine that? You have somebody important come, and now all of a sudden you have to dance in front of them. Ooh, this could cause a lot. This is humiliating, but it could be like, this is a real mark to our pride, isn't it? Wow. The saints recognized this. They really did. They, they did. This is a very, very subtle one. Now, I think for us in this chapel, brothers and sisters, if I could go out on a limb and say that, I don't think for any of us, that we walk out of this chapel door and we say, God, I got this. I can do it all on my own. I don't think any of us are in that camp. Oh, it may come out in small ways, but I think it might come out um, that part, but it might come out in a different way. You know, often how we judge ourselves, uh, unfortunately, in our world, is that we compare ourselves with one another. And this really happens in religious life. You ask anybody who's been through religious life, the first three or four years you battle this demon. You're always looking, well, that guy knelt for, for an hour, the whole hour of holy hour. I have to kneel for an hour of holy hour, right? Or that guy's asleep in holy hour. I can just sit back now in holy hour, right? At least I'm better than that guy. I'm not as good as that guy. And all these things are going on. And they have to do um, with identity, Humility points to what is our true identity in Christ. The saints realize, they're, yes, they're sons and daughters of the Father in our baptism, but they are repentant sinners. This is who we are. When I look to my left or I look to my right, I can fall into, well, look at that guy. I'm, I'm actually doing pretty good. I'm not, I'm not killing anybody, right? And we'll get that oftentimes, Father, I'm a good person. I don't kill anybody. Oh, okay. Um, or you might see St. Francis or somebody, I'm such a wretch, right? So we can fall into this. What we are, Francis says, St. Francis, in the eyes of God, nothing more, nothing less, that's who we are. And so humility is this prayer, is part of prayer and seeing ourselves, who we are. We are, uh, if you will, completely dependent upon God for everything. And this is what Our Lady recognized. It doesn't come out in entitlement. God, you owe me this. That could be a form of this pride. Or presumption. Well, God's so merciful, I can just do whatever I want. This is a form of pride, you see. Um, Looking at ourselves or looking at God in a false way. When we pray for the, the grace of humility and work at this humility, this is what we're doing to be like Our Lady to be able to see ourselves and in, in our comportment, our, our, how we hold ourselves in our actions, our words, is reflect this, that we know who we are, and it's not dependent on human opinions. Our Lord 
had, had no interest in human opinions. He said, you know, John the Baptist came fasting, and you called him a crazy man. The Son of Man comes eating and drinking. You call him a glutton and a drunkard. He's pointing out to the Pharisees that there's no winning with people's opinions. Do you ever win with people's opinions? You never do, right? Who we are before God, that is where, that's where we want to go, and that's where we'll find humility. And that's when, when you know, uh, words from the outside can, can, can say, you're this or you're that. You know, they really just kind of roll off your back like the water on the duck's back, right? I know who I am. Yes, I have great dignity, but I'm also a sinner. And I'm also dependent on God for everything. And when we do this, God is so drawn to us. It's in this that he can work with us in a great way. He's, he's drawn, he regards, he loves the, low, the lowness, the estate that, that we are, that we recognize ourselves in. Hey, brothers and sisters, may we be like these great saints and Our Lady and, and, and recognize, yeah, you know, without God, we can do nothing. With God, all things are possible. We are his sons and daughters, and we are sinners and we need his mercy. Amen.